Hey Mama, grab your cup of coffee or glass of wine, some headphones, and maybe a video monitor, and commit to taking these next 30 or so minutes for you. I get it, the never-ending to-do list, the nap time hustle, getting started with your workout just to hear the baby begin to cry. But I'm here to say, you are killing it. So this one's for you. We'll be chatting pre and postpartum fitness, breastfeeding tricks and myths, upgrading your nutrition, baby sleep habits, recovery from birth, and so much more. Because while your title of mama is a big one, it doesn't cover all of you. It's time for a little self-care and some focus on you and optimizing your overall health. So let's get going. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to the podcast. If you're new here, thanks for coming. Today is going to be all about updates, what I've been up to, my birth story, and all that good stuff. So I'm really excited to get diving into this episode. As you heard, my intro got a little bit of an update, and I'm really excited for this kind of twist that the podcast is going to take. So if you were following along beforehand, we covered kind of all aspects of health, and then I did a pregnancy um, series. But I really found myself shifting a lot towards those topics of motherhood, but also intertwining them with health. So looking at nutrition, looking at fitness, looking at mental health and self-care, but also looking at those aspects of baby or kids at home. And I really want the podcast to kind of encompass that as well. So we've got some really exciting guests lined up for us on here, some solo podcasts coming up. So I'm excited. And it's been a minute, right? So I took like a two month hiatus from the podcast um, because I had my first child. So Sophia was born on April 25th. So she is just a little over nine weeks when this podcast is getting posted. So I really wanted to take that time to be intentional and take a full on maternity leave from my full time job, but also from all of this that I'm doing on the side. And I'm really glad that I did it. It really took the pressure off. It allowed me to be present with her and really just navigate that crazy whirlwind of a time. And now I feel like I'm really back to get getting to some semblance of normal of what my new normal is. So podcasts are back, social media is back, and we are ready to go. So today's episode, I wanted to dive into just an update of you know, Soph, how she got here, how it's going, how I'm doing, and some things that I'm trying to incorporate daily to help with my own self-care. And hopefully these are things that you guys might find helpful for yourselves, whether you are also newly postpartum or you are already a mom and just busy at home and trying to find that time for yourself. So I'm going to start just by prefacing that This is my first child, and I by no means have all of the answers. That's why I like to have guests on here and learn from them, but I'm just sharing my experience and what seems to be working for me and for our family at this point. So let's take it back. I'm going to give you kind of the cliff notes of our birth story. I will try to keep it short, but it is a long story. So Friday, the 23rd of April, Keith and I kind of had a nice little day together, got to get a date out there, which was actually so great, and I'm really thankful that we were able to do that. Um, And then later that night, we were brushing our teeth, and I felt like a pop, and then there was just a gush of water all over the bathroom floor. And I looked at Keith and said, I think my water just broke. And as a side note, this was actually kind of a cool coincidence, but 
where my water broke is literally the exact same spot that we were standing when I told Keith that I was pregnant. So I thought that was kind of cool. But anyways, looked at Keith, told him I thought my water broke. And then, like, he must have seen it on my face that I just, like, processed that, like, this was happening. And I went into, like, full-on panic mode and he was great he just took me in his arms and he was so happy and so excited and he's like it's okay we're gonna have a baby it's all good right so at that point I was not having any contractions I was not feeling like I was in labor my midwife just said you know what call us in the morning and we'll see how you do but as soon as I got into bed the contractions started and I ended up not sleeping at all because I was just timing them all night and they were strong enough that even if I did doze off in between contractions as soon as they came back on it woke me up so I was up all night um, with contractions and by the morning I was really uncomfortable and just couldn't find a way to get myself comfortable so we headed over to the hospital and left the doggies here my parents took care of them Lily could care less what was going on and poor Riggs was having like a panic attack because he knew something was going on with me um so we made it to the hospital it was apparently like a very popular night of births the night before so our midwife that was there was very busy in labor and delivery so we were in triage for a couple of hours which was very uncomfortable um, but once we ended up getting admitted it was great from there on out I had decided ahead of time that I was planning to get an epidural so I did ask for one at that point we went ahead and got going with that um, unfortunately it only took on one side so they came back they had to redo the epidural and unfortunately that one had some issues too which we're going to come back to but in the meantime Keith was being awesome he was coaching me through my breathing like I feel like time just kind of like passed because I was so zoned in on breathing through the contractions because I was struggling with the epidural and he was super helpful with that and with encouraging me um, which I'm so thankful for so they came back they redid the epidural and that one did take, I was able to get some rest, um, but I was not progressing. So by Saturday night, they did give me Pitocin and then slowly really up it over time, which does lead to stronger contractions. And I found myself feeling everything again with the contractions. And they were hesitant to give me more in my epidural because my blood pressure was dropping really low. I felt fine, but the numbers were low. Eventually, though, they did request to give me more, and when the anesthesiologist came in to give me that boost in my epidural, we realized that the epidural had come undone. So I was kind of like tossing and turning through contractions, and we're thinking that when that happened, it took the epidural out. So I was in active labor without an epidural, which was not fun. So by that third time's a charm, the epidural did take, but... By Sunday afternoon, I was all the way progressed, but not making any progress. So I pushed for like five hours. <clears throat> everything was ready to go, but nothing was happening. And I could actually feel that nothing was happening. I was pushing, but I just felt like we were going nowhere. So they did do an ultrasound and realized that um, Sophia was sunny side up. So she was head down, but facing the wrong way against my back. So they brought in a couple of OBs to try to manually turn her, and that sounds awful, and it was awful. Um, they did it three times, 
and each time Soph just bounced right back into the position that she was in and at that point I was exhausted and just in so much pain that I knew I didn't have the strength to keep going like that and they were very honest with me the team that was working with me and they just said you know you can keep pushing but we really don't think she's going to come out this way and a c-section would be our next recommendation and at that point I just said yes I want her out I know this isn't working my body's not working anymore in this way so let's do it and I didn't really have time to process like what was happening and I don't think I processed it really until a few days after she was born so really to just kind of fast forward through we did the c-section she was a little bit stubborn coming out with the c-section too so that kind of showed me that she was not coming out the other way either um, but she was safely delivered she was seven pounds six and a half ounces everything looked great and it was obviously all worth it we stayed in the hospital for a couple of days and made our way home um, and like I said it took me a few days to really process what happened because everything was such a whirlwind and at that point I was so exhausted that I just didn't have the brain capacity to think about it um, so I did struggle a few days after of like the what ifs of what if I had pushed a little bit longer what if she did come out that way or what if I had done something differently and she was able to come out and just having some of that guilt because a c-section while I knew it was a possibility, it wasn't something that I ever really wrapped my mind around because I didn't see it as my story. But through some journaling and talking with Keith and just being really open, I really was able to flip my mindset and realize that I had done everything that I could. And at that point, it wasn't safe for self, so we needed her to come out. And that I shouldn't feel that guilt because I was strong and I was doing all the things that I needed to do. And maybe having that picture of that birth in my head wasn't the best thing because, you know, best laid plans don't always go that way. So I've really found that I'm in a much better space now and just kind of needed to process all of it and really have that open communication with Keith to make sure that he knew how I was feeling and he could kind of interject and help me with some of those thoughts that I was having that might not be so uh, realistic, I guess. So that's kind of Cliff Notes version, hopefully, of our birth story. So how we're doing now. Like I said, she is going to be nine weeks when this episode comes out. And I feel like we're adjusting. Like, it really was those first couple weeks were a blur, right? You're on a high, you bring the baby home, you just want to snuggle them all the time. On top of that, I was having my recovery from C-section. So getting up and down was really difficult picking things up was really difficult finding a position to breastfeed was difficult so those couple of weeks were just a blur and then each week kind of progressed to being a little bit better a little bit better a little bit better and i've had people ask me you know how is it being a new mom like did you feel like you had to learn a ton or what and quite honestly although yeah i've had to learn a ton it's kind of felt natural like my body and my brain knew what to do and I knew Sophia like I know her cues I know what she prefers and it's just this like instant connection which is really really cool so 
that's kind of where we're at with that. I do have to say that we are very fortunate that she is a pretty good little sleeper, especially at night. She's giving us good stretches and then she goes right back to sleep when we put her down and naps during the day for the most part. She is a really good sleeper too. She has her moments where, you know, she wants to be in the carrier, wants to be with mom or is overtired and is screaming her head off, but those are much fewer than the good days and we're very very fortunate for that um we have gone through some leaps and some growth spurts and that is where we notice that she's a little bit different so her naps are a little bit off she wants to be sleeping on me more often or in the carrier and just needing a little bit more of that guidance and support through her nap times which is totally fine with me especially knowing that there still is a way to soothe her which is the carrier um and she's not just screaming her head off all day I think that I would be in a much different headspace if that was our reality so we feel very very fortunate in that realm um but how are Keith and I doing so it's funny as as first-time parents you know that you're kind of like nervous about everything right so the first couple nights Keith was like waking up uh three four or five times a night just to walk over and see if she was still like breathing and then that kind of slowly tapered off but we joke about like if somebody could see our google history and see all the questions we've been asking they'd think we were crazy people but google is actually a pretty reliable source and we've learned a lot from it over these last nine weeks um but yeah, we've, we've obviously, you know, loosened the reins on our nerves, but we still joke about like with our pediatrician's office that I'm sure they laugh at some of the things that we ask or some of the messages that we've sent with questions. Um, there's a lactation consultant there too, who's been great to work with, but she's also had to give me some reassurance that, you know, you know what you're doing and it's okay. Trust your instincts, trust your gut babies are going to do x y or z and it's okay so it's been good to get that reassurance and we kind of laugh about it now knowing that you know we were and still are those nervous parents but it gets a little bit easier and we get a little bit more confident every single day which is cool um I do have to say that something that I've kind of noticed is I was and at some point still am you know trying to be the quote-unquote perfect parent and that doesn't exist I know but I want to soothe her right away when she starts crying and I want to make sure I'm following the rules and doing everything that I'm supposed to do and you know if she's uncomfortable why is she uncomfortable and how can I fix it right away and you drive yourself crazy trying to be perfect and that's something that I'm learning that you know it's not going to be perfect and it is going to be messy, but that doesn't mean that I have to freak out about it and I have to let it stress me out. So I've really worked on like in those moments that she is upset or crying, literally stopping and taking a deep breath or using sarcasm and humor to kind of make the situation funny rather than stressful. And that's really worked for me in kind of reducing my stress levels and realizing that it's messy and it's not perfect and that's okay. Um, So I'm getting there. But on top of that, I did want to give you guys what are some of the things that I'm doing on a daily basis to kind of 
make sure I'm prioritizing my own self-care and not letting stress or anxiety get the best of me. So I will preface with, like I said, we're very lucky that she's a pretty good sleeper. So we, I would not say, are really sleep deprived. Our sleep is definitely different. It's definitely interrupted. Our our days are busier, but we're not sleep deprived in the way that maybe I expected to be. So I'll preface with that. But things I'm doing. So number one is journaling. And I'm not doing it every day. I will be totally honest about that but I am trying to do it a couple of times a week at least and just take that time to write all my thoughts down if I'm nervous or anxious about something to get it out on paper. If I'm feeling like I need to do some planning or I need to get some ideas out there, I write it down on paper and just that act helps me to kind of validate what I'm doing but also shut down the things that don't make sense, shut down the thoughts that are kind of consuming my brain that aren't necessary and that's been really, really helpful for me. I am making sure to take daily walks. This one has been huge. So luckily, Sophia likes going on walks. She's great in the car seat, and then we bring Wrigley and sometimes Lily. Lately, they've been solo because it's you know peak season for Keith right now, so I just pop a podcast in, and we walk for like an hour. That is a huge highlight of my day because I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just listening to a mindless podcast. Soph is happy. Wrigley's happy. Lily's probably happy. (laughs) Who knows with her? And that has been great. And it helps me get my movement in too. Especially before I was cleared for workouts. This was like my therapy basically because I needed some kind of movement in my day for that sanity piece and that was all I could do so that's been great I'm going to keep doing that and with that just getting outside is hugely helpful for me I notice sometimes that I'm spending a ton of time in the nursery you know feeding her or rocking her to sleep and it's dark the shades are down the sound machine is on And I find some days when I come out of there and look out the window, I'm like, holy crap, the sun is shining. Like, you kind of forget because you get sucked into this, like, time capsule. So getting outside, whether you're just going out for a few minutes to water the garden, whether you're going outside to toss the ball around out back, or take a walk, just get outside. Breathe in that fresh air. Take the video monitor with you. You could do your workout outside. Anything like that is just going to be hugely helpful to just kind of refreshing you and keeping you in the present space. Um, A couple of things that I did already mention that have been helping me is deep breaths and humor. So like I said, if Soph is having a moment where she's overtired or she's hungry and doesn't want to wait, um, stopping, taking a deep breath. Or I talk to her all the time, so just using humor and sarcasm to lighten up the situation, lighten the mood, Again, hugely helpful for me. It helps kind of, like I said, lighten the mood, take the pressure off, snap you back to reality, and remind you that, you know what, this is not that big of a deal. Um, Lastly, well, actually not lastly, I'm going to do two things here. So thing number one, workouts. I'm cleared to work out again, and my mental health loves it. It has been so great to move again, to lift, to ride the bike, to do hit training to do yoga it uh, it's just such a game changer and here's the thing some days I have 45 minutes and I get through a straight workout 
some days I make it through 10, 15, 20 minutes and Sophia needs me, so I take a break and I come back to it later. It's fine. You're getting your movement in. It's okay if it's choppy. It's okay if it's not exactly the way that you planned it. You deserve that time and your body deserves that time, but it's okay if it looks just a little bit different than it did before. So movement has been huge. Plan your time. Plan what you're going to be doing so that when you do get that free time, you're not messing around trying to get ready for it. You can just get right to work and use the time you have. The last thing I wanted to touch on is nutrition. So really prioritizing making sure I'm eating enough, but also getting a variety of nutrients in. I knew that um, postpartum it was going to be hard sometimes to cook the meals and have all the time for the prep. I am kind of in a better groove now where I'm able to prep on Sundays, but time is tricky, right? And you don't have time to prepare these lavish meals and sometimes it's easier to just order out. But asking yourself, how's it gonna make me feel? How's it gonna help my energy levels? And how's it gonna make baby feel? And that tends to be what helps me the most in making sure that I'm getting my nutrients in and really using nutrition to optimize how I feel on a daily basis. So one of the things that I've started doing is during one of her naps in the afternoon, that's actually when I make dinner because with her feeding schedule, it's a little bit hard to figure out um, when dinner is getting done. It's easier to do it then. A lot of times it's been on the grill. So then I'm banging out two things on my list. I'm out grilling dinner, but I'm also outside and getting that fresh air. The dogs love it because they get to run around. It's a win-win. So if that's something that you're able to do, pick easy, healthy meals and find a time in your day that you can just quick throw it together so when dinner time comes, it's already good to go and you don't have to stress about it. Lots of planning ahead, lots of keeping it simple, and I don't know. That's just what works for me, but I'm willing to bet that it would work well for you too. So that was like a really speedy update of what I'm up to. I would encourage you to go check out my Instagram because I'm back to sharing more workouts, more postpartum related, lots of pelvic floor and core work, but also really working on getting my strength back and getting back into those fun interval circuits that you can do at home and sharing a lot of those, like I said, easy, simple meals that you can just throw together on a whim. So that's that. That's what I'm up to. But in the coming weeks, what you guys have to look forward to, we have some really cool guests coming on the podcast talking about nutrition, talking about pelvic floor, talking about um, breastfeeding, talking about the birthing process and the use of a doula, talking about baby sleep habits. So we've got a whole gamut of things to come and I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing those episodes. So I would love to hear from you. I would love if you reached out to me and let me know that you listened to this or also things that maybe you're struggling with, wondering about, and hoping that we cover on the podcast. My goal is to really create a community of us moms here because we need all the support we can get. And I want this to be your time too, whether you're rocking the baby and listening to this or you got out of the house on your own and you're listening to this. I want this to be time for you, that you feel validated, that you feel celebrated, and that you're just enjoying. So I'd love to hear from you, and I will catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Health Without Limits podcast. You guys know that I appreciate your support more than anything and really love having this outlet to just share my voice too. 
Don't forget to reach out to me on social media so that we can connect. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Both of those will be in the notes section of this episode. I'll catch you guys in the next one.